I think that deserves a clap, don't you, for Gail and <laughs> Harper. That's so great. Uh, yeah. Just going to take a moment and look out and find comfort in seeing each of your faces and that we are able to be together today. So good morning. Good morning to each of you. Grace and peace to all as we meet here at church or at home. And I would ask the question, how are you? How is it with your family, your neighborhood? How's it going in the larger world? So let's just breathe, take a couple breaths and take a few moments to just consider. What has this last week held? And in that pausing, let's also just recall and maybe remember for the first time how we have been cared for, how we have been held as we've gone through this week. So each of us arrives today in a certain chapter of our life story. Ron and I returned just a week ago from an Oregon trip. While there, we celebrated our 45th anniversary. We've been reflecting on that story, how we met, different life events, joys, sorrows, moves. We've been pondering God's invitation to us as we begin because we haven't finished our journey, as we continue on that journey and go into our 46th year. So we had 2,100 miles each direction uh, and, and spacious landscapes. Um, there was generous time to reflect on our story, but I was hold, I've been holding this Exodus story in my heart, I think, since June. And so there was lots of time to think about this. And this is story of all stories. It's a grand, overarching, it's the meta-narrative that invites all of us to invite God into our story. So it's their story, but that's really, it's our story. It's our salvation story. And to ask, how am I in God's story? I love imagining how we as a church, Metamor Mennonite, are partnering with God in this salvation story. So before we walk together through this Red Sea path today, let's take a pause and we're going to pray. Lord, we welcome you. We need you today to guide us to provide what is needed. Would you graciously come and reveal yourself to us? Holy Spirit, move and cause the written word to become a living word. 
in us, in us together, for Jesus' sake and in his name. Amen. So Eugene Peterson intros Exodus, and I love what he has to say about it. And of course, I didn't do the whole intro, but I'll be doing a few little parts of it. He says, the human race is in trouble. We've been in trouble for a long time. Enormous energies have been and continue to be expended by many, many men and women to get us out of the trouble we are in, to clean up the world's mess. At the center and core of this work is God. The most comprehensive term for what God is doing to get us out of the messes we are in is salvation. Salvation is God doing for us what we can't do for ourselves. Salvation is the biggest word in the vocabulary of the people of God. And the Exodus is a powerful and dramatic and true story of God working salvation for them and for us and for us today in our real world. So um, I'll, I'll, um, Gail did such a good recap and, and, and the setting for this story. So we're just kind of jumping in midstream in Exodus 14. But as we think about that setting, I have a picture of um, Lincoln City firemen. And many of you have been uh, caught up in this story that's happening, not just in Oregon, but in uh, various states. Um, this uh, painting was done by an artist called Lynn Lesneski. Some of you have met her. She's a friend of ours from Lincoln City, and she was at the retreat house. And she did this painting as a, as a this is a finger painting. And she lived in California, and the place that she was renting was uh, burnt down um, a, um, just in August. But this is, is a picture that she did of the firemen. So all of us get drawn into stories. And this Tuesday, we awoke to messages uh, that were already there from Lincoln City about forest fires, high winds, 50 to 70 miles an hour, power outages, trees down, friends, and then family being evacuated. And maybe just um, even for you out there, how many have people uh, that you know, family that you love, that have been affected by any of these wildfires going on currently? Yeah, and just look around. There's many hands raised. And as in every story, there's always something for the individual to do. Many people were called to prepare to evacuate. Some people had to evacuate right away. There's something in every story that only God can do. And there's something in every story that is for God and us to do together, to partner with. So we'll be looking at this Exodus story with those three questions. Um, so hopefully you also are being drawn into this Exodus story. And there is an important foundation 
undergirding and holding this all together. Often it's so easy to just skip over this and, and take it for granted or understate it. But we're going to look at um, just a part of verse um, 19. The angel of God who was going before the Israelite army moved and went behind them. And it's easy to just hurry and get to where there's even more action, but this is so foundational. Here's firm footing. God was already there. This is not the beginning of his leading of, of these people. He has already been leading them, and they had already experienced, if even in a different way, how God was leading them. So this, this helps us to get at what is there for God to do. He is present. He is present. Last Sunday, Pastor John reminded us, Jesus is in the space between us. He's in the midst when two or three are gathered. He is the main person in this drama. And even more, he is active. He is not unaffected by their plight or our plight. And he is not disinterested. He is moved by compassion to action, and he is powerful to direct and lead. He is faithful to his character. He is serious about suffering, and he's serious about inviting pe persons and people into more growth and more freedom. He works on our behalf what we can't do for ourselves. This is good news, then and now. There are still messes and much suffering in individual lives, in families, in our world, where we need to call God to go before us. We don't have to make God to be interested enough to lead us. We don't have to earn it. We don't have to deserve it. We don't have to be frantic with uh, extra activity. Dietrich Bonhoeffer puts it simply, God wants to lead us. And so something for us to do, what if our main role, among other things, but is to allow God to lead us? You have worked with animals or children that when they won't be led, it's really difficult, and sometimes you can't. And so to be led and to be good followers is much harder than it sounds. It is for me. Sometimes my MO is to uh, really work hard at a genie plan, and then I'm hoping and wondering why God isn't blessing that. I'm trying to practice more of being led, more of noticing what is God up to? And I've been um, noticing this Exodus story and along with the Lincoln City fire story, these elements of wind, fire, and water have been highlighted. So slowing down and paying attention to these. Isn't it interesting that in our world this week, the southeast has had too much water, the northwest has had too little they also both have had too much wind. 
Isn't it interesting that in this narrative, God uses all three of these elements in some way? These are things that were already available to save them. He uses these things to save them. So, um, I think uh, we can do more of naming how God is present with people and in situations. And when we think about it, this was one of the first work that Adam and Eve were called to. How do they notice and name what is in their garden space? And in that, I think there was a naming of, wow, how does this reflect who God is? And what's he, what's he calling us to? How's he leading? What's his timing? These are questions that describe a prayer process. And, and um, I believe a primary thing for us to do is to be a praying people, to be a people that pray. This is foundational that holds this whole thing together. And for us at Metamora, as you know, our church is um, envisioning the specific calling that God has for our church in the next three to five years. How could prayer play an integral part in that? How could we be even more intentional about spending time in prayer? How could it be a priority? Could we notice and name how God has led us in the past? And to uh, give faith for how does he want to lead us in the future? Where and how have we been spiritually formed? What are we uniquely equipped to do here at Metamora? And what is particular about how we experience church? What work of our hands has been fruitful? What loaves and fishes that we have offered has God multiplied? So that we can respond with faith and wise risking, and maybe avoid spending years in wanderings. Could we be called into purposeful, directed action? So some of this work of prayer is called discernment, and that is a prayer practice. How could we grow in discernment to learn to weigh what is weightier than other things? And there might be ten good things, but what is one or two that are the best for us at this time. I believe that we at Metamora are called to be a people of prayer. This takes time, commitment, and imagination. So Exodus 14, 19, and 20, and the pillar of cloud moved from in front of them and took its place behind them. It came between the army of Egypt and the army of Israel. And so the cloud was there with the darkness, and it lit up the night. God's work is to move, to lead, to illuminate. He communicates in many, many creative ways. Our work is to notice and to respond with faith. And we sometimes have to risk. 
when I put myself in this story, that would have been so hard to put my foot out into this water, even, you know, with dry ground, the walls of water on each side. We are not always comfortable with change. And it's easy for me to stay in the, wow, God has always led from the front. I don't recognize that he has moved and shifted, and now he's leading in a different way from the back. So as we slow down, we must consider our real life. And as you hear this story and imagine how it was for them, place yourself in this story, because it is our story. Is there a place, a situation, where you feel like you are up against the Red Sea? There seems to be no human way forward. Maybe you feel like you are overwhelmed. You are fearful. You are hemmed in with no human way to move forward. And just like them, it feels like, wow, um, the two options are not good. I'm being pursued from behind. The ocean is in front. Do I just drown? Are those my choices? So I'm going to invite you just to look at the back of your bulletin. Hold on to hope. And there's some white space at the end. I encourage you to read this later. It's so good. But we're just going to pause for a minute as you think. Does that even just in your stomach, um, pull, you know, does God highlight a place for you where you feel like this? I'm going to invite you to, if so, to write that down, just like that noticing and naming. How can you name where this is in your life? We're going to hold that for just a minute as we read. Um, a couple more verses, and then we are going to, um, to, to stretch out our hands and pray about this situation. So here's Moses. Here's the Red Sea. Here's the, here's the dry ground. Here's the two walls of water on each side. Moses stretched out his hand over the sea. The Lord drove the sea back by a strong east wind all night and turned the sea into dry ground, and the waters were divided. The Israelites went into the sea on dry ground, the waters forming a wall for them on their right and on their left. So the subtitle for this whole uh, talk could be to stretch out our hands. Uh, Moses is definitely stretching out his hands. Glance again at if you wrote something down or maybe just something came to your heart. Where's that situation in your life? Where you need God to do what only he can do. And the question is, will you do what only you can do? Will you ask him to come into this need, into this place, into this situation?
Will you trust that God wants to make a way through the impossible? Will you agree to do your part as he directs? Will you commit to pray and to wait on God, even if it takes a while? Even if it looks different than what you imagined? I'm going to ask you, invite you, as a physical sign, you may want to physically stretch out your hand. And just consider as you look at your hand, you know, it's really where we release things, isn't it? And, and it's a way of releasing that need, calling out for help. It's also the, the place where you receive something. Isn't that awesome? So I just encourage you um, to stretch out your hand. We're going to just pause and pray. Gracious and powerful Lord, we offer up these real present-day needs to you. We trust that you want to move on our real needs and make a way forward. Increase our faith. Increase our capacity to respond. Amen. And here in, in the verses that I read along with this picture, there is something for us and God to do together. It's not all just us. It's not all just him. What if he has chosen to work in this great work of salvation together? God drove back the sea, and Moses stretched out his hand. Maybe all night. Can you imagine that? Both and, not either or. If it's about relationship, and it is, what if God wants to participate together with us in these great works of salvation and also in smaller works? Super and natural. Supernatural. So um, Peterson has another quote. And he says, it is significant that God does not present us with salvation in the form of an abstract truth or a precise definition or a catchy slogan, but as story. Exodus draws us into a story with plot and real characters, which is to say, with design and personal relationships. Story is an invitation to participate first through our imagination, and then if we will, by faith with our total lives in response to God. This story continues to be a major means that God uses to draw people in trouble out of the mess of history into the kingdom of salvation. And in that partnering, I'm, um, some of the stories that I am doing that, that are personal are not because these are the only stories, but it's to invite you to remember what are your stories of, say, of faith and of salvation, and this one is of a place where we feel like a current um, example of God inviting us to partner with him. We have a second family home in Lincoln City, and we went out just a couple of weeks ago to do some remodeling and furnishing of this house, and our plan for months had been, we're going to Airbnb it. 
and just block off the dates when we as a family want out to go to, go to visit. Well, as we uh, leaned into this process, the way seemed to close kind of behind us. We were full, full uh, force ahead. A 17-page city application and, and lengthy requirements prevented us from doing this, at least for the future. So as we sat and waited and started to ask God about this, the way forward seemed to open for short-term stays for friends and family and for hospital interns that come to the city. The house seemed to want to be more of a respite and retreat home. As we got used to this new invitation, it seemed good and we felt peaceful about it and we were still waiting for confirmation. We discerned this as God leading. Two days after we returned, we got news that Lincoln City areas, the fires had started out. We heard that morning that our um, friends and pastors of the church where we had attended, Tim and Lisa Hinton and their family, they live on a house at Echo Mountain. This is the house that Lamperts still own, but Hintons are in the process of buying it. They needed to evacuate. It was level three, and the fire was heading towards their home with east high winds driving it up to 50 miles an hour. When I asked Lisa how they were that morning, she said they had gone and slept in their church on the floor in the nursery in the middle of the night. They had only had time to grab their computers and a few things. We asked, would you like to go and stay in our Lincoln City home? The beds are clean, the sheets are clean, the beds, everything is ready to just walk in. They said yes. And they later said they experienced it like God providing for them in an unsure time. We felt like it was God inviting us to partner with him. And we get to be involved in this work together, not just us, but Kay, of course, was actively involved. Uh, even I love that Cindy Davidson, uh, Kristen's mom, had sent some household items to help furnish this particular house. And our Wednesday morning prayer group was praying for us. So this all just gives such an uh, immediate picture of God working together. So I believe this brings us to the question, how can Metamora, where and how is God inviting Metamora to partner with him. I think really to be a, a praying people. How could this look fresh? How could this look vibrant? Will a path open for us as we pray together? Some, just a few issues of our time are immigrants and African Americans. What if we stretch out our hands over that seemingly impossible barrier? Later, Ron's going to read a litany, prayer litany, for those suffering loss of homes. So just like the Israelites, can we, in faith, watch for a third way to open up, a third option? So again, I'm going to invite us to stretch out our hands as a church community. I sense that we can make a commitment to become more of a praying community.
and especially as we hold this Vision 2020. Will you stretch out your hand if you will commit to this priority? And if so, stretch out your hands as we pray. Lord, here we are today. Our desire is to be a faithful community of people that partner with you. Give us the gifts of faith and of inspired imaginations and the willingness to risk for your kingdom. Amen. So as we move towards summary, God is at the center and the core of our lives. He moves on our behalf to do what we cannot do for ourselves. He is serious and committed about justice and healing for people and for creation. He is a communicating God. We are called to be faithful and to stretch out our hands and to participate with him. And I love that this Exodus story doesn't end. The next chapter, chapter 15, the people that have experienced God's salvation in this particular part of their story notice and name how God has been with them, and then they worship. This is probably the greatest work we are called to do, to worship God for who he is. And this is even deeper than just noticing what he does, but both are important. And our life story continues. Um, I think that we have, um, there's more to the fire story. There's a picture of a family that, um, th there's over 100 families just in the Lincoln, Lincoln City area, and I think over 500 in in Oregon total that have lost homes. But here's a family that we know. And they're standing uh, on this Echo Mountain. Uh, it's close to where Emily and Stephen, the Lampert house was and where the Hinton home was that burnt down. And so there's more, uh, some miracles of how God saved. The strong west wind was driving the fire towards Lincoln City and also towards my other daughter, Abby's family home, in 27 acres of beautiful forest, large Sitka spruce trees and cedar. And also the family home that I mentioned in the center of town went into level two, prepare for evacuation. Our son Daniel and Ashley that live north of Tillamook were also placed on level two. Tim and Lisa had to evacuate our family home temporarily after just sleeping there one night. Five families that were sheltering at the church there in town needed to be moved further south. The strong east wind was moving the fire at at least a mile an hour. The main road into Lincoln City from Salem in the valley was blocked with fallen trees and power lines. Additional help from other fire departments was almost impossible, and they had fires of their own. People were called to great prayer, and a desperate cry went out to God. God, we need you to do what we can't do ourselves. Lord, have mercy and see the suffering of a people, of a community. Thank you to many of you who have joined and are still joined in this prayer. And 
a miracle happened. By the hour, the wind started to become more and more still. From 10 miles an hour, down to seven, down to three, one, and yesterday and today, zero. It's almost unheard of on the coast. And the wind shifted until eventually it turned the fire back east towards what had already burned. The temperature dropped, humidity increased, fires became stalled. Our daughter's home was spared twice with a fire line as close as 700 feet. We waited by the phone hour by hour just wondering would their house be gone. So even amidst this grieving, Tim and Lisa's home, which was burnt, there's much working together to help one another, offers of compassion. And so we have another picture. There's also rejoicing and worship. This is a picture taken from the 27 acres where our daughter's home is, and she was more emotional about thinking of these trees uh, being burnt down because a house can be rebuilt in a couple years, but um, an ancient forest can't be. So there's been a naming in this worshiping what God did. God, you turned the wind. God, you increased the humidity. You are with grieving persons. God, you are powerful. And so your story hasn't ended either. So pause, we're going to close and um, just consider how has God been with you even, even this morning? How have you experienced God? And I think a really easy way to do that is to say, Lord, you are, and then have a blank. And then just notice what comes forth in your heart and your spirit. So again, you could use this to write that phrase down. Lord, you are. So again, um, just as we pray, and later there'll be a sending song, you never let go. Just try as a physical symbol and, and as your whole self reaching out to God, remembering who he is and is today, uh, try stretching out your hand. So let's stand and we'll pray. Lord, thank you for being you. Thank you for loving us, for caring what we are going through. We worship you because you are worthy. Amen.